The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio, and we're glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jelinch. Together, we share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. And Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner. Each week on the show, we'll respond to a listener question or comment, so please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show is titled The Power of Community. It's been said that nobody can do our inner work for us, but we cannot do it alone. We need the company of others on the recovery path in order to truly thrive. This can be challenging to many who are new to addiction recovery because we can be used to doing things, quote, our way only. But if we're willing to become one of the bunch, we will discover that the group has a profound influence on our healing. Today, we'll share the path to freedom and peace that we've experienced through the power of community. We'll begin by sharing our experience of that feelings of uh, separation that so often accompany active addiction, and then we'll move into the solution of community. And after the break, we'll share exactly how the power of community helped us move from separation to connection. So, Dan, what was your experience of separation on the recovery path? Well, I know that this is something that we touch on often, which is not surprising to me, given that it's such a big part of, um, it was certainly a big part of my own addiction experience and uh, recovery experience, and I've heard from so many others over the years that uh, we seem to all have this in common. So one th- one way that separation looked for me, and it you know it can be different from for all of us as we know. And again, you know, as as a fairly um, introverted person, mine might look very different than somebody else's. But it is such a strong factor in addiction that I think it bears touching on again. Mainly for me, uh, I felt like whatever. 
problem came up in in my life and and this is without even realizing that I was doing this it was just like I didn't even know that there was another way but I felt like I had to figure out everything for myself if I had a problem I had to solve it myself if I had to go to somebody else that in it that felt like a failure right there I did not want to involve anybody else in any struggle that I was having and looking back on that now man how much energy that must have taken uh, for me to live that way and how you know basically how blind I was to uh, like what we're talking about today, the power of community being connected with others. I don't have to solve everything myself. But anyway, when I think about separation, that's what comes to mind first. Yeah, I relate to that. You know, I I come from a very small family myself. I'm an only child. So I have that tendency to kind of want to be a lone wolf um, just by nature. And I totally understand that going it alone because I mean, a lot of times growing up, I had to go it alone. So uh, that's, you know, what I learned to do. When I was thinking about this uh, separation, what separation feels like, and I've heard so many people in recovery share something similar. It's like I, I could be with other people, but somehow not feeling like I was a part of you know, we talk about that a lot in recovery. Like I always was part of a group of friends and, you know, had people to do things with and such, but there, I don't know if it's just something that's unique to the, to the personality makeup of an addict where we just feel separate. And so I always just had that feeling of somehow being a part of things, but not really being a part of them. Probably if, you know, you're in recovery and you're listening to this, you probably know what I mean. And I've shared before about, I guess they don't have these anymore. I'm dating myself. But back in the day when they had those beer commercials, you know, and all the friends sitting at the bar and they're they're having so much fun together. And I just, I wanted that feeling of belonging to something you know, being a part of something bigger than just me and my cat in my apartment. <laughs> you know? And so the way that I tried to get that was by drinking to, to try to combat that feeling of separateness and isolation. Which, as we say, it works till it doesn't, because yeah. it sure worked for me for quite a while. I mean, we're talking about if I look back on my my drinking career, which was sort of a slow burn over about 30 years, you know, it took from the first time I, I drank to when uh, I sort of drank myself into recovery. Uh, it, it worked for a long time and then it sort of worked and then it kind of didn't work, but I kept doing it. Then it definitely didn't work and I kept doing it and just so on and so on. But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of that feeling of being a feeling lonely, even when I'm around other people and that simply does not happen anymore. But I, I know that feeling, um, it's, it's such an intense sense of isolation that it would it would seem like well if i was around other people and talking to people in a group or even in a social setting that that would alleviate it but no it doesn't and um i'm sure as, as you mentioned that anyone who's listening to us now uh who is in the same boat that we've been in and and are in knows exactly what we're talking about exactly what it feels like to feel lonely even when we're around other people 
Yeah, so I'm trying to think about, you know, what is that, that common trait that we share that so many of us feel that way? And I was thinking maybe it's um, self-esteem issues, you know, not feeling good enough about ourselves to feel connected to other people. Um, I don't know if that could be part of it. it. That's what occurred to me. But the thing that's interesting is um, I wanted to be part of something with others. I wanted to belong to something. And yet I realized the ways that I ended up isolating myself more because of my drinking. And so, um, you know, drinking dictated whether I participated in different activities or not. Um, you know, if there was an an activity that was going on and, you know, a lot of my friends were going, but there wasn't going to be any drinking or I wasn't going to be, you know, have that kind of access to alcohol that I wanted to have at all times, then I would opt out. I would opt myself out. And so I was, I was creating my own isolation and I've shared this before, but, you know, so many of us are cross addicted with other issues and, uh, when I was drinking, I had kind of a little bit of OCD going, you know, I, I had to keep things a certain way in my apartment. I had to clean my entire apartment top to bottom every single Saturday, whether it needed it or not. And I, it sounds crazy to me all these years later thinking about that I ever was like that, but I would literally say no to social engagements because I had to clean my house on Saturdays. Now, how yeah. dirty could my apartment have gotten? <laughs> I was one person you know, but those were the ways that I was isolating myself without even realizing it. So it's like we're at cross purposes. We want to be connected and yet we do things that keep us from having that connection. And looking back now with maturity, I can see the ways that I missed out on friendships and connections and building those bonds with people because I was, um, I was more focused on my drinking or on taking care of the, you know, OCD issues and things like that. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm remembering, uh, as you share that, you know, in many ways, uh, I used alcohol as a solution to the problem of feeling separate because in, in many ways at first, especially, um, and, and like I said, for me, it was over many, many years that this shifted, but, for a long time, it, it did bring a sense of, you know, group cohesion and connectedness, you know, and the whole joke about two drunk guys saying, I love you, man, I love you, man, too. <laughs> you know, it, because it really does bring that up in us, but it's, but it's temporary. And yes. then uh, I was so enamored with this solution of drinking that I was doing it a lot. And then I was doing it a lot more than everybody else. And then, uh, you know, I start to stand out uh, because of how much I drink, because I'm, you know, I'm over the line of being normal. I remember once being at a um, tequila bar um, in another town with, I think it must have been a couple people from work. And I love tequila anyway. So this was a whole bar of like top shelf tequila. And so, you know, somebody says, hey, let's do, you know, a couple shots and whatever. So when I'm on my fourth shot in 30 minutes and they're looking at me like, are you OK? And, uh, and I'm doing great, you know, because I've built up some hard one tolerance <laughs> by this point. I can do four shots in a half hour and I'm not falling down, slurring right. my words and all of that. And, and so, yeah, I kind of, you know, drank through, overshot that line of drinking yeah. as a social connector. And it, I, it just became 
more of a worse and worse separator. Yeah. Well, I lived in Mexico for two years, so I know from tequila, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, what I was thinking as you were sharing that is it's like what we used as the solution ultimately becomes the problem, right? The solution becomes the problem. And so, yeah, it did. It did provide a certain feeling of connection, but it's not the kind of connection we want to have today. We want to have connections that are, you know, based on something a little more substantial than sharing tequila together. Um, I was also thinking that a type of separateness for me that I didn't know at the time, but I know now looking back, was not having a spiritual community. You know, I wasn't involved in anything spiritual until I got into Alcoholics Anonymous. And, um, you know, I didn't know that I needed that or that I was missing it. But now it's such a huge part of my life. I can't imagine not being part of a spiritual community you know, um, having that support around growing spiritual, spiritually and having people that you share that with, people for whom spirituality is important as well, that you share that with. So that was a way that I was very isolated. You know, I've heard that described and, and this did not resonate with me at first, but over time I really began to see the truth in it that in a way what we're doing when we drink is trying to fill a a God-shaped hole in the center of us. And, you know, when I first heard that, I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know, maybe you, not me. But (laughs) over time, I mean, especially as my sense of that word, God has expanded tremendously to include all manner of experiences of the divine. Okay, now now I really get it. And and the longer that I've been on a recovery path, the more clearly I can see that uh, spirituality is a huge part of it. And and a twelve step recovery program is a spiritual growth program. That's right. At its heart, underneath it all. But now that we know about this challenge of separation, what might be the solution? Well, in unity, we affirm that on a spiritual level and really in, on, a, on a real level, on every level, that we're all connected to one another, whether we realize it or not. Yes, and we call this connection oneness. And that's just a way of saying that underneath it all, we are all one with each other and one with God. And one way that oneness shows up on our in our recovery lives is in the power of community. And that's what we want to focus on today. But what does community look like for us? What does it mean to us today? Uh, what might it have meant to us early on? Because it's one of those things that can change. So, Michelle, when you think about um, the power of community, uh, what comes to mind for you? Well, I'm thinking back now to early recovery, and um, I don't know about other people, but when I uh, thought about the idea of never drinking again for the rest of my life, that didn't sound like a whole heck of a lot of fun to me. You know, it's like, oh, I'll never have fun ever again. (laughs) But it turned out that recovery was a heck of a lot of fun. And um, I found some meetings, some groups that we just had a blast and that really provided that sense of belonging for me. Um, I'm remembering in particular, we had a Saturday night group that met in what was the Alano Club. If, if folks are uh, old enough or sober enough to know what the Alano Club is, 
um, we used to meet Saturday nights at the Alano Club, and it was just this group of people that had all these inside jokes. Like when they would do the readings at the beginning, there were all these places that you like called back certain things, and you you answered certain things. There were all these built-in jokes, and the more you attended, the more you caught on to all the built-in jokes. And there was really that feeling of being part of something. And you know, Saturday night is an important night for recovering alcoholics and it's a really good idea to have something fun you know to do and have that sense of belonging and community and so groups like that really um really gave me that opportunity to be part of something and to feel like yeah like I was part of a group and I belonged to something I remember distinctly very early in in my recovery so in the first year probably in the first six months um, there was a noon meeting, just a few minutes walk from where I worked. And so I was a regular every day at that noon meeting, Monday through Friday. There, there was a different noon meeting on Saturday that a lot of the same people went to, and I went to that as well. But I, I, I remember walking up, so it was it was in a very large church, and it was kind of a, it was a little bit of a labyrinth to get from the outside door to the room kind of had to do it a few times to find your way. And I was winding my way toward the meeting room and I heard just this burst of laughter coming from the room when I was still pretty far down the hall from it. And, and that, it just all hit me at that moment of what a wonderful group this is. What a wonderful community. And I, and I even shared with some that it's almost like uh, that group in particular, um, going to some kind of weird comedy club where the jokes were all inside jokes, right? Because yeah. you had to be a member. You had to be a drunk to get what was going on and yeah. to really get what it was like and to understand how can we be laughing at some of these things that just sound like, oh my gosh, it's terrible that happened. It's, it's ridiculous is what it becomes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then it becomes hilarious when we get some distance from it. But just I just felt so good about being part that I really got a strong vibe of what it meant to be in community with other like-minded people when I heard that laughing from down the hall. Absolutely. I think that's just so crucial in early recovery. I mean, I simply insist on having fun in life. You know, I'm not signing up for something that's going to be miserable. I didn't get, uh, how about this? I didn't get sober to be miserable, right? I got sober to be happy and have fun. And I'm telling you, no one knows how to have fun like sober drunks. <laughs> that's right. You know, early in recovery, I really got involved in this larger, um, you know, group of people in my, in my 12 step recovery community. And, um, we had, it was always somebody's birthday, always somebody's birthday. You know, it's like, okay, what's this weekend? Oh, it's so-and-so's and so, so-and-so's taking a seven year cake and so-and-so's taking a 20 year cake. And we had this one restaurant we always went to for people's birthdays. Cause they would let us have kind of the room in the back. And we just had so much fun. And again, we had all these inside jokes, which if I tried to describe them would make absolutely no sense to you, but it had to do with, um, there was a whole routine where you, you put the cards in a pile, you know, people would give you cards for your birthday and your sponsor would read the cards and, 
people would write certain things and we'd have responses like people would say, just to give you an example, people would write, it's been so nice getting to know you. And then everybody would start singing, getting to know you. <laughs> but it was that kind of thing. You know, we had that kind of fun and it was that belonging and that having fun sober, you know, gotta have fun. Yeah. It's all about getting together with other people to share shared experience is what I realized it's all about. And I was really lacking that, you know, in, in my life prior to that. And I was kind of forced into it in a way. I Like you, uh, I didn't really like what was happening to me, you know, <laughs> when I was hitting bottom and realizing that I really needed to live a different way and, and all that sort of grudgingly, well, I, I guess I'll do this, you know, and see what happens. But finding that shared experience, particularly yeah. shared experience of the past, you know, even though I did not do all the things that everybody did and I didn't live exactly the same life that everybody lived, I really got what they were saying yeah. uh, as they shared about their own experience. Like we are together right now, shared right. about we're sharing about our own experience of what it was like, you know, maybe in the beginning when we started drinking, it was fun and then it just became something we did and then became a problem we ignored. And you know how it is yeah. all the way through it and just recognizing, finding my own experience woven in with theirs, even if every, you know, even if every point of it wasn't exactly the same, the whole shape of it was yeah. the same. The flow of it was very much the same. And so community to me, uh, part of what it means is is a place where I am sharing uh, my past experience with people. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good definition of community is um, a group of people with whom you share something important. There's that common thing that everyone shares that you just relate to. And, you know, uh, we usually find with other people in recovery that there's just kind of that instant level of um, intimacy and knowing one another because we know we have that shared experience. Even if it looked different for us, somehow there's that commonality that right away you just recognize that, you know. I also have an adult special needs child. And um, in that context, you know, having a community of other parents who have special needs children, it's the same kind of thing. It's like, I don't have to start from the beginning and explain to you what it's like to have a special needs child. You know, you, even though our kids may have different diagnoses and very different issues, right off the bat, there's that commonality. There's that implicit understanding that we know we share this core experience that we're both having or we're all having. And that I think that's pretty much the basis of the idea of support groups, right? Is people from all different walks of life, different ages, different backgrounds, but they all have one thing in common, whether that's, you know, a cancer diagnosis or an addiction or a special needs child or whatever it is. It's that feeling of having that shared experience and it just bonds you instantly with people. And, and I think that those that shared experience transcends all of those outer differences. That's why it's such a beautiful thing. You know, probably you've had the experience of hanging out in 12 step groups with people you would never hang out with otherwise because yeah. that shared experience transcends you know, social 
groups and gender and, you know, race and all of those things. It's just that commonality that binds us together as humans that have shared this same experience. And there's a very deep sense of belonging when you're with a group of people like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, uh, and I heard, um, I mean, I'm hearing it right now is each thing that you share. I feel like I'm just nodding my head up and down. And I go, yes, that. <laughs> And that's why when when you say something, I'm like, yeah, that's that. I say that word. Absolutely. That's yes, that's it. I know exactly what you mean. And that's what it has been like for me in a recovery community, just like it is for you and I right now in this moment, as we share these things, we, we get what we're saying, you know, we, we really are connected in that way. And that would be true if you and I had never met and for whatever reason, we happen to walk into the same recovery uh, community, we would still have this uh, connection, yes. um, no matter what. I heard somebody say once, uh, this thing that always stuck with me, that I, uh, that I identified with and picked up, um, uh, I think the guy said, I thought, I always felt like I was the black sheep, and, and now I've found the rest of the herd. Yeah, that's right. I'm like, oh, yes, you're my people, like from that old cartoon Christmas show with the Island of Misfit Toys, you know, the, oh, tri- yes. the square wheels and all that. I'm like, I, yeah, you're like that. I'm like that too. And we found yeah. each other ironically through addiction recovery, but still the, the connection is there. So when I asked what it was community mean to me, it means that shared connection to the point where when somebody who I don't know at all, even says something about, you know, when, when this happened to me, I felt like that. And I know exactly, I feel like I was standing right next to him having the exact same experience. That's the part of the power of community for me. Yeah. And when you're in a community, there's that sense that people get you, they get who you are. And isn't that what we all most deeply want as human beings is someone to get us you know, to just get what that, what it's like to be us. And I was thinking about how in early recovery, it may be our using experiences or our addiction experiences that bond us. But as the days and weeks and months and years go by, what begins to bond us is a shared way of life. So we we still have that commonality of what happened in the past, but we begin to develop more of a commonality of how we are choosing to live our lives. We are people who are choosing to live our lives free from our addictions, whatever that addiction may be. And we live with that commitment to that, a commitment to that spiritual path, a commitment to um, personal growth. And once you're on that path, you want to be with others who are on that path too. And so I think that's why in recovery community is so very important because the world out there is constantly trying to suck you back into its current, you know, where it's just sort of taking you down the river. And it sometimes can feel like swimming up river when you're trying to live this kind of life. And so having others that share this path with you, others that can support you in living this type of life, I think becomes so very crucial. Yeah, I remember hearing, I heard things from people that they shared how I felt and I didn't even know I felt that way till yeah. they said it. Right. I heard a guy say once, I felt bad about things that I didn't even do. And I was like, you and me both. <laughs> but let's hold that thought because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we will continue the conversation. Please stay with us.
practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back, and we're glad you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, and I'm here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jellich. And we'll resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. You can message us from there, and each week we'll respond during the show to a question or a comment that we receive. So please let us know what's on your mind. All right. So before the break, we were discussing separation and that feeling of being separate, of not belonging, wanting to be a part of that we experienced in our active addiction and sometimes in early recovery. And then we talked about what community means to us, what what it looks like and what it feels like to have that shared experience with other people. So, Dan, now that we know that the challenge is separation and the solution is the power of community, how exactly does the power of community lead us to connection? For me, what comes to mind first is that I learned through the example of others, you know, slowly over time, how to share about what was happening with me without feeling like, um, you know, I needed to keep it to myself or without feeling like I was going to be judged uh, unfavorably for however it is I felt or whatever experience I had had. And that took quite some time to unfold. I mean, there was a period of time early on where, you know, I I did want to participate and be a part of it, but I I still was wound up about, you know, what am I going to say and how am I going to say it and how's it going to sound and you know, just worrying about how my sharing is going to land. And then after more time passed, uh, that faded away. And I realized, well, I can just, I can just share whatever my experience is or was with whatever we're talking about. And I don't even have to think about how it might be received or what others might think. And so there was a slow progression of, basically learning how to share what's going on with me with other people, you know, freely and without um, being all weird or wound up about it or more, more uh, appropriately without just refusing to do it. Cause that's how right. I was before recovery was I, I simply would not. And so learning how to share with others, what was going on with me. So, <laughs> always have these memories when we're doing this show it's like digging into the way back you know (laughs) I just was remembering how okay so I had that feeling of not belonging to the group right when I was drinking not being connected to something well I carried that over into my early um, recovery and early attendance at AA meetings because (laughs) I probably spent the first 30 days going to meetings and like pulling anybody I could get, pulling them aside and telling them about my drinking and then saying, do you think I'm an alcoholic? Do you think I'm an alcoholic? (laughs) Because I still wasn't convinced that I even belonged there, you know? And I'll tell you, they just kept telling me, it must be like something that they agree on or something because they all just kept telling me the same thing. Um, 
People who aren't alcoholics typically don't go to AA meetings and ask other people if they think they're alcoholics. So <laughs> you probably belong here. But it took me a while to feel, you know, because I had that feeling of not belonging anywhere, you know, and so I was going to feel like I didn't even belong there. And it took me time to begin to realize that I was, you know, what whatever got me there, there was a reason why I was there and I did belong there. And then, you know, beginning to share some of that experience at the group level. And um, I think most people will find this, I certainly did, was just this vast acceptance, you know, just 12-step people can just be so loving and accepting. It's like whatever you share, it's okay. And people are moved by your honesty, you know, so sharing openly and honestly heals your own soul, helps you connect with others because they relate. I mean, that's basically the biggest way is that we relate to one another, right? I share something, it touches something in you that you can relate to, and we begin to forge that that common bond. And so um, I think, and you know, I was talking earlier about why we have that experience of feeling like we don't belong. And I was saying that it could possibly be, you know, I think most of us come in with self-esteem issues. That's, you know, probably a good indicator of, uh, you know, that we belong there as we have that shared low self-esteem or whatever it is. But when I would share my, my truth, whatever my truth was, and I would be accepted by the group, that began to heal that self-esteem. And I think that's, that's the beauty of the group process is that you're healing yourself by doing your 12 step work, but you're also being healed by the group because whatever you show up and share, they're just going to love you and accept you. And where else are you going to find that? You know, very few places on this earth in this human experience where you're going to experience that same kind of unconditional acceptance as you do in a 12-step meeting nowhere else that i know of honestly nowhere else have i experienced that at all um one thing i'm realizing that i learned or how how the power of community helped me move out of that sense of separation and into a, a connected way of living is that i learned how to look for things I had in common with other people, whereas I think, I believe my habit was to look for differences. So if I was, if I were interacting with somebody or with a group, I was very quick to notice the ways I was not like them. And a lot of comparing, you know, well, they're more this than me. Well, I'm more this than them. And uh, all, all focused on differences, you know, whether, whether my comparing, in my own mind set me above or below some other person, I was still um, undertaking that practice of uh, looking for differences. And and I had a group member that really helped with this because she would always remind us, especially at at the meetings where someone was going to stand up and share with the group, um, the speaker meeting, to, to remind us to look for commonalities you know that we tend to focus on differences but just make a point of looking for things that we have in common and so i learned to do that in general in life and to shift my whole perspective from you know that kind of uh it's sort of living from a sort of a threat-based 
way of seeing the world. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I, I need to be on guard for ways that I'm not like these other people so that I don't, you know, make a fool of myself or say something dumb or, you know, get myself in a bad place or whatever. It's just out of a sense of safety, you know, to move out of that and to be able to, as a habit, find the ways that I am connected with others. Like, oh, you know, you've been there, I've been there too. And, you know, what, whatever it might be, but just through practice over time, uh, learning how to look for the commonalities instead of look at the differences was life-changing. Yeah. And that's, that's what's such a beautiful thing about 12-step groups is finding those commonalities across social lines, you know, that those commonalities still exist. And, and what a rich experience you get to have by hearing people share that you would never, um, you know, you would never talk with or hang out with in any other circumstance. You know, when you were, when you were talking about how you were always trying to figure out whether you were above somebody or below somebody, I was thinking it's like dogs in a pack, you know, always okay. trying to figure out the rank, you know, we're always trying to rank ourselves. Where do I rank in this, um, in this pack? And I know that in recovery, what I was told was to just be one of the group, just be one. Well, for this Aries only child, Enneagram three, you feeling me like being one of the pack is not my thing, you know? And so I learned in the, in the 12 step groups that I didn't have to be the hot shot. You know, I didn't have to be the leader. I could just be one of the group. I wasn't raised that way. I was raised in a very achievement oriented family. You know, I was always supposed to try to be the best, always be bettering myself and achieving something. And, and 12 step recovery taught me to just be, well, they say a man among men, but a human among humans, you know, yes. just be one of the group. You don't have to be the best or the worst or the, you don't have to rank yourself like dogs in a pack. You can just be one. And um, that really freed me up, really freed me up from having to be the hotshot all the time. And I think that that helped me move into more of a sense of belonging by just being one, just being one of the group. Yeah, me, me too. I, I had that same uh, experience and I guess the transition that you're describing from, you know, kind of like what I was saying, moving from looking at differences to looking at similarities, moving away from who's better than, less than, more than, you know, just comparing in general, moving out of that into, yes, just like a, uh, like a bunch of grapes, you know, just be one of the bunch. It's, <laughs> no, no one's better than any other one and no yeah. one's any worse. Or just try that on for size. Yeah. Another thing uh, that I learned from community was to be able to listen to others without needing to reply or respond. Yeah. To listen to what someone was sharing and not sort of be sitting there assessing it the whole time. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I know what you mean. I don't know what you mean. Oh, I think that's right. No, I don't think that's right. Or, oh, I did that, but I didn't do that. Or, you know, again, it's just the comparing, assessing, et cetera. And the, that, that ability that we can develop or yeah. skill that we have. And really, again, it's a matter of subtracting things rather than adding things, but it feels like an ability that we've gained to be able to listen to somebody without needing to reply, without a yeah, but, without an attempt to fix them, 
uh, without an attempt to add the point that they left out, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah. Just let them be them. Let them share what they share and be there with them as they share it. The end. That's yeah. very hard to do. I found it very hard to do. Um, and that's one of the gifts of community is that it is a constant. Um, it's a continual opportunity to practice uh, compassionate listening mm -hmm. without the need to, uh, you know, correct or respond or even to identify with one way or the other. You know, it, it's an ongoing thing. But that's one way that community helped me move out of separation and into a feeling of connection in general with life is, is th those kind of, like you're saying, just be one of the bunch, listening yeah. skills. Yeah. What you what you were making me think of is um, learning boundaries, right? And it sounds um, it sounds oxymoronic, I guess, but part of being being in a community is having good boundaries, right? When you have good personal boundaries, then you can safely and in a healthy way be part of a community. So yeah, I think we do. We we are very fortunate in recovery that we get to learn these things, you know. Um, and when when you become part of the community, it is sort of like one big, you know, I don't want to say dysfunctional, but you know, one big family. And you have and there's a lot of social skills to be learned in twelve step recovery. Let's put it that way. A lot of opportunity for social skills and for developing healthy boundaries and for personal growth and. Um, you know, the no crosstalk rule is, is a really good example that you gave about that of just letting people share and, um, you know, you don't have to get offended by what they say or get affected by it or and, you know, we listen to a lot of people share over the years a lot, you know, so there's a lot of chance to practice that. You know, I think one of the most important things in recovery about being part of a community is what I was mentioning before, being connected with other people that want to live this kind of life, because it is sort of an alternative life. Um, in our modern Western culture, at any rate, the spiritual path is an alternative life. It's not the life that everyone is leading. And once you're on that spiritual path and committed to that spiritual path as a way of life, it's really crucial to have others who are journeying on that path with you. Um, and this goes for your church community, absolutely, as well as your 12-step community. You know, um, when I came into Unity, everything was so profound and so amazing. I was just, you know, like one of those people just sitting there stunned every week for probably the first two or three years I attended Unity. <laughs> But then as I really began to try to implement those things in my life, I learned how difficult it is to stay the spiritual path. There are so many things out there that are competing for our attention and that are, are you know, trying to, not trying, but that are just there to distract us from that spiritual path. And I used to feel like from Sunday to Sunday, I would forget everything in between. You know, I would leave church on Sunday so full of a new way of seeing and a new way of being. And by Tuesday, man, that cultural, uh, what do you want to call it? Like that cultural um, drift 
had just sucked me back into the current and I was just floating down the river again, you know, and, and it was like turning around and starting to paddle back up the river. But then the community is like that life raft and, and the people, you know, throwing out the rope to you to, you know, get back on track. And it, it, there really needs to be community. We need to be reminding one another constantly because it is such a different way to choose to live you know reminding one another constantly this is how we live now you know we tell the truth we show up we don't use we live in integrity we admit when we're wrong we we make amends for our mistakes it's not the way most folks are living and so being part of a community of other people that are committed to that way of life is so important yeah, I agree with everything that you said and have had those very same experiences where, you know, I might read an inspiring book or go to a workshop or like you're saying, you know, go to church and come out of it uh, on cloud nine. And yes, and now I'm like this. And then, you know, I've heard it said we're all enlightened until we encounter another person and then it all <laughs> goes out the window. You know, the, the trick is to hang on to it in in uh, in society with others. Um, I'm, I'm remembering another funny thing that I like that I heard because you know in, in a in any 12 step program we've got the 12 steps, but then there which is sort of our individual path, but then the group has 12 traditions or you know group level guidelines, and so there's. There's the issue about how does a healthy group function because we need to be, you know, we want to be healthy as individuals and part of a healthy group, and those things can develop in parallel. But I'd heard it described that, the, you know, the 12 steps keep me from killing myself and the 12 traditions keep me from killing all the rest of you. <laughs> and I love that because... It means that the traditions define the, you know, the values and the boundaries of the community yeah. and how critically important that is, especially it seems for those of us in addiction recovery where we seem, you know, pretty quick to, to go off on our own way and we, and we know the best way to do it and, and everyone should just do it my way and all that. And I know that's not limited to those of us in addiction recovery, but man, it seems like something that many, many of us have in common. And so we need those guidelines to keep right. the, you know, keep the group healthy, just like we need the steps to, to give ourselves as individuals uh, a structured path to walk and to keep us healthy as individuals. So, the, you know, talking about how, how's the power of community help me move out of a sense of separation into a life of connectedness. One is it showed me what healthy community looks like and how to arrive at it, you know, how to heal a community in a sense or how a community can be healed. Not that I individually have the power to do it, but, you know, we can detect right. the direction that it, that it needs to go. And what good training for ministry, right? Uh, yes, yes, yes. You know, yeah, another thing I wanted to touch on in terms of how we move out of feeling separate to feeling more connected and part of a community is obviously getting into service, you know, and if you have a sponsor, they'll tell you right away, get into service. And the reason is when you start actively participating in the group, whether it's making coffee or, you know, um, handing out chips or whatever it is, you start to feel so much more connected and involved in the group. And I want to say that it's really the same thing in church. 
you know, uh, showing up to church every Sunday is wonderful, but when you start offering to usher or to, you know, um, I don't know, whatever it is, various things that, you know, kind of entry level, <laughs> entry level service positions, that's when you really start to feel an investment in the, in the organization, in the community. I know for me, when I started doing service, both in my 12-step group and in my church, that was the beginning of feeling a much deeper investment in the community. And that really gave me the feeling of a part of, because now I'm not just showing up and receiving, I am actually participating, you know, and I like to talk about this a lot in my own church that, you know, we really want to be a community of participation, not a community of receivership where, you know, you show up just to get something, but rather where you show up to be a part of something and to contribute to something. And so when I started doing that, that took my uh, feeling of connection to the community to a much deeper level. Yeah, getting involved getting is part involved. of it. That's what I'm hearing. You know, moving from being um, uh, an audience member to a That's participant, right. yes. a community member. You know, moving from moving from thinking of it as something like a movie. You know, where we go and watch it yes. to uh, uh, a party. You know, where we're an integral part of what's going on, not just watching it yeah. on a screen. Uh, one thing I'm remembering is that the community helped me learn to rely on others in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. um, one way is that, you know, I began to realize that people always show up. You know, I never once went to a meeting, no matter what the weather was like, where nobody was there. There was mm -hmm. always somebody there. And, and I was one of them because I was showing up too. I was one of the somebody's who was there and so just sort of begin slowly begin to realize that you know I can rely on this group maybe not each individual person but the group in general I can rely on this group um, to be there when we've agreed that we all get together um, another way that comes to mind um, we had just talked about rely to on to tell the truth about what's happening and in general, you know, there's always exceptions, but it, it is a community value that we tell the truth about what's going on. And we can spot it. We know yeah. that someone's not. I mean, they may think they're getting away with it, but they're not going to get away with it for long. So learning slowly to rely on others in that, in general, that they're telling the truth. And then, you know, for like a trusted advisor relationship that that person's going to show up as well. But it's time for us to change gears now and turn our attention to a question or a comment from you, our listeners. So here's a question um, that often comes up, and it is this. Sometimes we feel like, well, I'm not really a joiner, a quote joiner. Uh, what if I don't like being part of a group? You know, how? what am I supposed to do? Right. I think a lot of people experience that. Well, one thing is you may find that you actually do like being part of a group. So just hold that open as a possibility that could change for you. But, you know, in 12-step recovery, you don't have to get any more involved than you are comfortable with. This is a voluntary self-participation kind of program. You know, no one's going to make you do anything. 
And so if you go to meetings and you just listen and you never speak, you know, that's your choice. That's your prerogative. Now, people may ask you or encourage you to step out of your comfort zone because they want to help you grow. But, you know, we're always in control with our level of participation and we'll never be forced to do anything that we don't want to do. But I challenge a lot of people that feel like if you feel like you're not a joiner, just sort of open up a little bit to the fact that maybe you could be a joiner in a different type of group. You might find that you really enjoy being part of the group. Or just show up and be an observer. That's yeah. perfectly acceptable. You know, I've heard a zillion times at uh, various meetings, someone, you know, some at some meetings, the chair, the meeting chair will call on people. At some meetings, people raise their hand. But even at a meeting where the chair calls on people, if they were to call on you, you can just say, uh, yes. hi, my name's so-and-so, and I'm just going to listen today. Yes. And nobody's going to think twice about it. They no. will just move on. We've all done that before. Yep. You do not have to talk at right. a meeting. You do not have to show up early. You don't have to make the coffee. You don't have to follow the steps. You don't have to get a sponsor. Now, you're going to hear about these things from others, but nobody's going to make you do anything. You really can show up as an outsider and simply literally sit in the back and observe what's going on. And you can do that week after week, month after month, if you want to, you know, yeah. there's nothing that says that you have to do anything. That's right. Well, we're coming to the end of our program and we always like to leave you with an affirmation that you can take with you. So our affirmation for this week is I am healed by the loving acceptance of a healthy spiritual community. Indeed. I'm going to repeat that. I am healed by the loving acceptance of a healthy spiritual community. And uh, as Michelle said, we have come to the end of our time here together, and we both sincerely hope that you found something here in what we've discussed that will help you on your, on your recovery path. So thank you, Reverend Michelle, for our discussion, and thanks to all who are listening to this podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless each and every one of you, wherever you may be, on your own recovery journey. Listeners, if you would like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback. We invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Until then, have a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders 
to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.